Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, Peter King in 15 minutes. We'll keep going on the uh, on the phones on this, but uh, this was just sent out. Um, <laughs> this is funny. So... NBA Players Association Executive Director, maybe you know the name, Dibs, uh, Andre Iguodala. Yeah. You know him? I do. His son's got a big uh, high school basketball game tonight. Iguodala. Yeah. Larry Bird, who's never met Jason Tatum before, and Julius Irving. uh, That's Dr. J, for those who don't speak ball. He's overrated. They all went to the locker rooms before the NBA All-Star game to stress competition. And having a competitive game. Iguodala did the same with the rookies on Friday. And uh, message was received based on that game. But on Sunday, uh, those making $50 million a year, not so much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the way that goes. And I'm sure they went in there and, and they stressed it. And you know, some of the younger players looked at Julius Irving and thought, who the hell are you? Are you? <laughs> You're not my doctor. Who are you? Dr. J? My doctor's Dr. L. And you know, Elatrosh. Exactly. Yeah, who are you? So it, it's a shame that we've reached this point, but I do think that you, you have to go one of two ways. We can't pretend anymore that these guys are going to try and make it competitive, and you can't shovel money at them. If you give them each half a million to the oh, winner, God. I mean, do they really... Do, do they really care? Who was the lowest paid All Star in the All Star game? Probably making fifteen or twenty million a year. Oh gosh, yeah. Maybe Halliburton, not. somebody who might still be on their rookie deal. Somebody who's not making I, that much. I have a feeling you'll pass this test, but let me try it. Um, who beat who in the NBA in season tournament final this year? Uh, the Lakers beat somebody. Good. Somebody from the East. Good. That's correct. Uh, the Lake. Hold on, Grandy. I, actually, I know this. Hold on. I know this. Hold on, Grandy. I know this. It's uh, because I thought. Come huh. on. Who did it? Who'd they play? Who'd they beat? It was Atlanta, Mark. That is not correct. It was the Indiana Pacers. Oh, the Indiana Pacers. Father. I knew um, that. And uh, But uh, all that said. Took the stripes off. Stop acting. Like, like any of you gave a crap about the NBA in-season tournament, which I told you for two weeks leading up to it, is stupid because it didn't offer the fans anything. So this whole like, well, it would be better if we offer them 500 grand. No, I don't care. You don't care. Nobody should they care. They don't care. They, like, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't. I told you what I was rooting for in the NBA in-season tournament. Miss it. 
So you don't have to play extra games, and you get to play Portland next week. I thought that was a no-brainer for Steph and the Warriors. Give me rest or give me death. If well, they I'm went a- one and one in the bonus games. Yeah. Because they had OKC as well. That's true. Which was a That's loss. That's true. But if they had made it, they would have had two hard games instead of one. Right. And, uh, and, and, and they beat Portland. They almost lost it, but, but they beat Portland. But I feel for... TJD, who, if they would have won it, would have gotten half a million, which is about a third of what he makes. Exciting. He'll be fine. For him? He'll be fine. He would have been stoked. He'll be fine. My point is, the NBA All-Star Game, there's not enough money you could shovel them to make it worth their while. And Steiny's idea, or it came from uh, Botch Botch or whatever the yeah, listener was, somebody. Bootsy, uh, <laughs> You can't just completely jerry-rig the regular season schedule based on the result of a game. So a guy's on vacation in the south of France, and he finds out, oh, you got to play tomorrow because Carl Anthony Towns missed a jumper. (laughs) He didn't box out. And uh, you know they lost the wow. game, so now you got to play tomorrow. I'd argue it doesn't work. I'd argue that we've already seen a professional league try to hang something that matters around the All Star game. There's nothing we can uh, do this time. It counts, and we hated it. We hated the fact. My that Bud Selig's much better than yours. It is. It is. But I was doing the yours VL is guy. Too stately. Yeah, yeah. All Star game. This time it counts. Well, uh, we've decided that the winner of the, this game is going to get home field throughout the playoffs. It's not bad. It's not bad. I just don't know how many people are like that. Know that it's not bad. Alan E. Bud Selig. There he is. Uh, gosh, baseball. What a commission. joke. Totally. So we hated that, and they did away with that. So let's not do that with the NBA All Star game either, because that ain't it. I not, and I'm sitting here telling you, I don't know what is it. I don't know if there even is an it. You got to junk it up. Just completely junkify it. Put some junk in that trunk and make it so that you have a four-point shot, a five-point shot, a six-point shot, a seven-point shot, whatever you want to do, a 10-point basket that's 20 feet in the air. You got to make it as farcical as they have made it hmm. because this thing is a farce. Well, I mean, you could do what the NFL does and yeah, just go fart around for a few days. Right. Why do you use it? Why do we need oh, we got the game. I I get it advertising, there's a lot that goes into it, but yeah, yeah just like that's where we're heading. That's all anybody really cares about. And TV ratings were up. I saw a report that they were up uh, between 11 and 14%. Okay. So more people did watch it. And, you know, you have young people in your house, and they were interested in it. They were. Not from from tip to horn, I'm sure. Uh, they no, were probably in and out. They wanted to see it. Yep. They wanted to see it. They were, they were actually due elsewhere for a portion of their evening, and when they found out the schedule, they're like, no. No, I want to be home to watch the All-Star game. I'm okay. Like, you do? <laughs> yeah. Why, may I ask? But we were watching, we were in and out. Yeah, it, it was, was on. Yeah, we picked and popped. I mean, it's a weekend where there's absolutely it's the first weekend where there's no football. There's nothing going on. Right. I would have turned on, you know, NBA players read to kids. Uh, sure. NBA players play cornhole. Uh, great. Yeah. That's where it, we're almost there. Almost. We're almost there. And I think that's where ultimately this Probably will go. Yeah. I would love to see him junk it up with a four, five, and six point shot, but they're more likely going to go, you know, Steph Curry against Giannis in lawn darts. <laughs> you know? Fine. Right? Fine. Shuffleboard, yeah. cornhole, table tennis, whatever you want to do. Badminton, I mean, watching I LeBron just, hit the shuttlecock. I just think it's, we've reached a point where there's, this is a repetitive cycle that's quite frankly frustrating and, Helps no one, which is the NBA puts on an event, 
world comes together, sports world comes together to watch it and immediately go to social media to rip it. Like, it, it, I didn't watch the dunk contest. Who won it? No clue. No, I did. Did, did McClung win again? Yeah. Okay. Great. That to me speaks to the was, biggest dysfunction. He's not even in he, the association. I know, but he's the defending champ, and now and he's he won two in a row. Yeah. So it was McClung. The guy can't make a roster, I, I, but he's the dunk champ. I opened. What? Up, I opened up Twitter while he and Jalen Brown are doing their thing, and I'm just watching people tweet. I'm like, y'all, if you hate it that much, turn it off. Can't. It, that's all it was. It's just a line of people being like, "That's just stupid," and then, then turn it off. Why are you doing this to yourselves? There's no rule, fans. You don't have to watch this. And quite frankly, if you hate it so much, that's the message you need to send, right? Um, all right, Mike in Oakland's got an idea. Hey, Mike, what's up? Let me, let me, please let me junk up your uh, throw another junk idea out there. Junk Here's it up. Junk idea. Make the game to 21. Make it a half-court game. Have the NBA All-Star East squad square up against the West squad representing the G League. G League guys, they want to get their shine. NBA guys, nobody wants to lose to their kid brother. So it's going to be a quick, spicy game. Switch it up for the West Coast, and then the winner of those two games plays one more game at 21. I mean, but why is anybody, you know what I mean, Mike? Like, why is a, why is a young NBA fan going to be like, let's gather around and watch a bunch of G League players I've never heard of? Why, why are they watching? I don't know. I, I think maybe because, you know, we got a, a G League guy who just won the slam dunk contest, and so maybe people want to get a little exposure. Yeah, I, Mike, I hear you, and I'm not, like, I don't want to be dismissive of your idea any more than I've dismissed all the ideas. I, I, I don't. I've not heard anything yet that's like, ooh, I'm in. I've not heard a damn thing. And I've also not heard the NBA even blink at the idea of making changes. Because ratings are up. Right. More people watched it. And so, so they don't care if the, the old heads thought that it was not competitive and they came in and gave their pep talk and nobody played defense. The ratings were up. And the networks probably saw the numbers and thought, yeah, let's see if someone can score 250 next year. <laughs> oh, God. Well, just bring Carl Anthony Towns. He apparently super gets off on it. Would the East shoot 95 threes in the game? I don't know. And they made almost half of them. Right. Like, I I saw one good point. Somebody brought this up on social media. They're like, you know what? We ripped the NBA defense all year long. They're actually really doing something. Because look what this looks like when they're not. Right. They make all the threes (laughs) when you don't guard them at all. So somebody's actually guarding them in the regular season. I was like, that's kind of an amusing take. All right, Peter King's going to join us in a sec. We'll get into this Iuke and Debo, the arrogance of Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy. Is he getting paid in a year? And therefore, does the whole thing reboot? All of that is coming up with Peter King in just a moment. You know who we're sponsored by? We are sponsored by In at the Tides. I've heard of it. I've been in it. I woke up in it today. Today. Today? And it was fantastic. Mark at the time. It was fantastic, people. Look Pic- at you. Picture yourself in a cozy room by the fire. I don't have to. I was there enjoying breathtaking views of Bodega Bay. Winter, and it really is kind of magical. 
at the inn at the Times. Special winter midweek rates start at just one seventy nine per night. Mark at the Times. Breakfast included, which by the way, it's got granola. It's Hit got him again. Fruit. Hit him once it's for got granola. Muffins. I got one of the muffins in my bag right now. You it's don't. Got croissants. We had an egg scramble thing with the chicken apple sausage. It was unbelievable. All included. Book your winter <laughs> escape you. now. In at the tides. Dot com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you kidding me? Now. Back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. All right, we're over here just figuring out life as we get ready for Peter King. Well, thank God Peter's here because Peter knows life. So maybe he can help us with some of our conundrums. Well, and actually the first question I have for for Peter is about his life. So on the line, Odyssey NFL, uh, NFL insider Peter King. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. And, And yeah, Peter... The season is over. We want to talk it out. But the first thing we and our entire audience want to know, how you feeling, man? Oh, you're so nice to ask, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I feel great. I actually, uh, you know, as you know, you probably heard it the last two or three shows that we did. I was coughing up a lung. I just felt awful. And I just couldn't get the thing diagnosed. And so... After the Super Bowl, I finished working at about 2.50 a.m. Pacific uh, in Vegas after the game. And my videographer, Annie Koblitz, um, and my editor, Sarah Hughes, uh, they said, listen, we're, we're going to the hospital. So they took me to the hospital. We stopped at the hotel, picked up my wife, who was there with me. And uh, I went to the hospital about three hours later. I got diagnosed with double pneumonia, and I said, wow, finally I know what's been wrong with me. So luckily, everything is okay on the men now, feel good, and all is well. 
All right, and you and you sound better. Yeah, so you that's, sound great. That's fantastic yeah. to hear. Now, now, what about the Niners and their ego? That's not on the map. <laughs> they had triple pneumonia, Mark, is what they had. Yeah, you know, I I think the way I look at this is, and look, I I wrote a little bit about this in my column this week that, um, and look, Kyle Shanahan obviously is not blameless in this loss. Um, I think that he probably wishes, not that it mattered in the end, but he probably wishes he had spent a half hour at some point in the two weeks between the championship game and the Super Bowl that, you know, we probably, we have 900 meetings. We probably should have spent a half hour talking about the new overtime rules, you know, because obviously your players should know what the rules are. <clears throat> Not that it ended up costing him, but it's just just players should know that stuff. <clears throat> so there's that. But, you know, there are two reasons why I can't get too fired up about picking the ball to start overtime. And that is, you know, basically the first words out of his mouth in his post-game press conference, I think, were, absolutely right and some analytics people around the league agree with them i want the ball third and uh you can make you can talk about well you know you should want the ball second and all that and i get it and kansas city wanted the ball second they were probably if it was if they uh scored a touchdown to go behind by one point they probably were going to go for two um, but when you haven't made a two-point conversion play in the last 27 games, I'm not positive I'd be all that comfortable asking my offense to do that. But, hey, with Patrick Mahomes, all things are possible. The one other thing, and I'm sure you guys talked about it some, but I have not heard nearly enough, I believe, is that, look, the defense just played 11 plays right before the, the coin flip to start overtime. And they had played 38 plays overall in the second half. That that probably was a tuckered-out defense at that point. So there's that. And, uh, and look, you know, we probably could talk about this, which is, is the one other thing that, that look, we all are going to give credit to Steve Spagnuolo for this. But I also think you have to give some blame to the 49ers for this. And that is that the Kansas City Chiefs, who led the NFL this year in an odd category, but a meaningful category, in unblocked blitzers, unblocked guys coming through the line of scrimmage and nobody touching them. And I'm talking about Trent McDuffie uh, and, you know, and all that. And they had nine unblocked runs at Brock Purdy in this game. Nine. Nine. That simply can't happen. And, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, look, nobody has gotten into uh, the draft or, or probably only a little bit into free agency yet. But the 49ers better do something about their line, particularly, in my opinion, the right side of their line. And you look at that now as we start to peer back at the Super Bowl and think about the future with franchise tags being available today. Is that the number one area of interest for you for the 49ers? Is it, is it shoring up that offensive line? 
It would be to me. And I understand everybody is interested Oh, what's going to happen to Brandon Ayuk and all that. And I look, they have a very good receiver core. I think with a guy who has really emerged um, as a really tough clutch player in Juwan Jennings. Um, but that wouldn't be my biggest deal. You want to know, this is an interesting stat I figured out, okay, in the wake of this game. So 22 months ago, the Kansas City Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. And in the preceding, uh, or in the succeeding two years, you know, in the 22 and 23 seasons, they won the Super Bowl each year. And in each year, they did not have a 1,000-yard wide receiver, and they did not have a 1,000-yard running back. So you look at it, obviously Kelsey was, I think, a 1,300-yard. Uh, it caught balls for 1,300 yards last year and 900-something this year. So obviously he makes a big difference. But what I'm saying is, I don't think it is absolutely rock-solid essential right now that you have two Pro Bowl-wide receivers in order to advance or to win the Super Bowl. I just believe right now that the number one job of the Niners this offseason, and I understand I've heard the stuff about Joey Bosa. Hey, cool, get Joey Bosa if you can. I get it, all that, even though obviously he's an injury risk. But the biggest thing I think they have to do is I think they need one guard and one tackle, not only a tackle for this year, but a tackle for the future, depending on the future of of Trent Williams, who knows how much longer he plays. Peter King with us right here on Willard and Dibbs. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. Okay, Peter, I, I think everything you just said, there's a lot of sense in there. And I think a lot of 49er fans are probably nodding your head, their heads as you said it. But dot, 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 what does that mean for Brandon Ayuk? You know, I think the 49ers have some time to make that decision. Um, and I think that I wonder, this is what I wonder, because I don't know. I've not talked to a soul in the organization since that night at the game. So I can't answer the question about what they're thinking. But I think the biggest question I would ask him because, look, he is at the point in his career where, because I always think this about great receivers. You see it now with Justin Jefferson, who obviously, uh, you know, on the surface is the best receiver in football right now. And you're looking at him, and the Vikings are wondering, listen, how possibly are we going to sign both Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson this offseason? One of those guys, in my opinion, I'm not saying they're, you know, that one of those guys isn't going to be there, but there's a decent chance that one of those guys isn't going to be there. But I think it's interesting in San Francisco. I think I would want to ask Brandon Ayuk, listen, we would like to try to run this back this year one time and then make our major decisions about our roster at the end of next year. And I think you have to ask 
Brandon Ayuk, very simply, how do you feel about that? If he's negative about it, if he doesn't want to do it, and clearly, because the quarterback is only going to make $985,000 next year, you probably could figure a way to bury some money in Brandon Ayuk and, and figure out where this leaves you for the future. But to me, there's a lot of questions about not only, you know, the offensive, not only the skill players, but all over this roster. And so I think it's difficult. And look, if you're Brandon Ayuk, I don't blame you for wanting to get a deal now. And the reason, or, or, or at the absolute latest, you know, next off season, I don't blame you. And here's the reason why. Because if you look at most great receivers, they get one payday. That's it. You get one chance to strike while the iron is hot. How will he feel about would 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 he be willing to uh not get everything that maybe he feels he deserves this coming year? and really try to make one great rock-solid run with this core, plus adding some help on the offensive line, would he be willing to do that this year? I think you have to have that conversation with him. I think it's not something that right now, today, we can know the answer to. How rare would that be to have a player enter the fifth year like that, especially in light of what we saw happen to Dre Greenlaw, who wasn't contractually in that spot, but watching his career yeah. come to a screeching halt in such an odd fashion? The thing about the Dre Greenlaw thing is I feel sick for him, just totally sick. And again, look, Dre Greenlaw, in my opinion, uh, if I were the 49ers, I would try to aggressively sign him and keep him because I just think, you know, did you guys happen to see, there's a lot of really good uh, NFL films wiring uh, in this game, and one of them was Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. I think it was after their second series. And he was, and, and it, was at, it was Dre Greenlaw just attacking and 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 being the lead dog on this field, and Mahomes goes to the sidelines and he said, "Hey, hey, they got more intensity than us. They got more intensity than us. We gotta come on. We gotta ratchet up the intensity. Let's go. Let's go." And it was all Dre Greenlaw. And look, I know him a little bit, and I know how earnest he is. I know how much he loves. This game, uh, I just I think he is an absolutely terrific player and a great guy and a great guy to have on your team. And I just hope for his sake, because look, the way Achilles injuries are now, there's no reason. And I look, it's ridiculous to say this, uh, but I, it's very possible that an aggressive rehab program for Drake Greenlaw. Could have him ready to play football in September. I don't know. But but I do think, I understand your question about Greenlaw, and I understand your question if you're talking about Brandon Ayuk, because he might think, hey, look, there but for the grace of God go I. But that's why I think you have to ask the question. you got to let 
everything calmed down a bit. Maybe the first week of March. Yeah, you know, John Lynch and 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 Ayuk or Kyle and Ayuk or the agent get involved and you just have a discussion. And you say, Okay, let's talk about where we are. Here's what we think, what do you think? And that's why that's how I think they probably will and probably should handle it. Uh, Peter King with us. Peter, I don't use the word scapegoat with the whole Steve Wilkes thing because I feel like there was a lot going on all year long, not blaming yes. him for the Super Bowl. Well, I'd love to hear you talk about that. What do you know about what was going on with, with that relationship all year long? Steve Wilkes was asked to come in and to coach a scheme that existed before he got there, and that he had not coached before. And he tried. He tried his best. There was some friction, obviously, uh, you know, between Wilkes and most likely with the players. Um, And I, I know that sounds a little bit contradictory, but I'm not there on the ground. I just know what I heard in the last couple of weeks. And so I'm not saying that it is a, it's a terrible look, obviously, because this was uh, not a great defense this year, but this defense had some really great moments. And this defense mostly played very well in the Super Bowl. Mostly, mostly, not all together. But I just think at some point, a coach is paid to make painful and unpopular decisions. Now, they're probably more unpopular in the general public than they are inside his own locker room because you haven't heard very much, even off the record, from people saying, man, I'll tell you what, uh, that Steve Wilkes got a bad deal. And again, look, it's unfortunate all the way around. But at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan did something painful that obviously is going to make him take a lot of slings and arrows. But I think he did what he thought was best for the team. This had nothing to do with scapegoating Steve Wilkes. This had everything to do with trying to put someone in place who is better suited to coach this team at this time with this defense than Steve Wilkes was. And you think about that next person, are you imagining that they go with somebody inside the system, or does he try to reach out for maybe a higher-profile head coach, former head coach, Vrabel, Carroll, Bill Belichick, bring in somebody with a little gravitas to maybe try to shore things up on on a number of fronts? Well... About two weeks ago, somebody told me who knows Belichick, and look, maybe things change because he's sitting out there unemployed now and he knows that all he's going to do is have a soft job in the media and who knows whether he'll ever have another chance. But I had heard that Belichick absolutely did not want to be a coordinator. Now, maybe times have changed. Can you imagine if, Bill Belichick at age 72 comes in, makes all the difference with the Niners, 
forms a partnership, a bond with Bosa, with Warner, with Armstead, and basically they get this franchise over the top, and it leads for him to be the head coach of Team X next year. It would be one of the coolest stories, maybe one of the coolest stories in NFL history. I mean, to me, how great would it be? But again, a guy actually is going to have to want to do that. I think, I think a little bit, just a little bit of an interesting candidate would be Pete Carroll. And again, I have no idea if Pete would want to do it. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing because it's basically a defense that he is extraordinarily familiar with. And so, I don't know. Those are interesting things, but I would have to know a little bit, which I don't know right now, of what exactly is going through Kyle Shanahan's mind as he's doing this. And I'm telling you, okay, like remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the fact that Kyle Shanahan legitimately did reach out to Tom Brady and, uh, you know, wanted him to come in last off season to see if he would come out of retirement and, uh, you know, play for the 49ers this year. So, and, and look, Kyle wasn't volunteering that information and probably nobody would have asked the way I asked him on that drive to work a couple of weeks ago. Nobody would have asked if Brock Purdy didn't volunteer the information, uh, to Nick Wagner um, before the end of the season. But, but again, again, and that's why I think I would not be shocked at all if Kyle Shanahan had picked up the phone and asked Belichick, hey, is this something you want to consider? Or to ask Pete Carroll, is this something you want to consider? I, you know, again, I don't know that that happened, but a lot of things happen behind closed doors that we don't know until – Someone spills the beans about it. Peter, uh, I've loved your work on Brock Purdy all year long um, because I think it's avoided the whole snap reaction like uh, don't win, quarterback bad kind of stuff. And, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think there's there was more of it in, in this most recent article. So I want to ask you, I know you don't need to know this yet. It's still a year away. But where are you? Where do you think the Niners are on the idea of Brock Purdy being paid something that's near the top of the market with, with regard to the quarterback position. I think you got to see what happens this season. And I doubt sincerely that it's going to vary from what we've seen so far. I think what we've seen so far is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And, and you know what? Can I, I, I got to tell you guys a story. Okay. So I was the pool reporter. We may have talked about this last time. I forget. But I was the pool reporter covering the Kansas City Chiefs practices at the Super Bowl. And what that means is that the pro football writers assigns one of its members to watch practice and to write a very fact and figure no color, no anything report about what, what was seen at practice that day. All right? So on this particular day, on Wednesday, Wednesday, I'm out at practice. I've known Tony Romo forever, and I walked up to him, and he goes, Hey, Peter, how you doing? How you do?" You know, back and forth. 
And so we started talking. We talked for half hour at least. And one of the topics that came up was about Brock Purdy. And first of all, Tony Romo absolutely loves Brock Purdy. And one of the things that he loves about him is the simple fact that uh, nothing, nothing, nothing bothers him. And he said, but I will only say this. You, there is only one Super Bowl. You just simply do not know how you're going to react. When you're standing there on the sidelines, you're about to start this game, and all of a sudden you've got no saliva. You know, you can't, you're, you're all dry, you're, you're tight, you're, you're saying, oh my God, the flyover, the this, the that, the Reba McIntyre, the 120 million, all that, yeah, all this stuff hits you. And he goes, it's going to hit him. It hits everybody. So I'm thinking that watching this game as the game starts. And what happened as the game starts? Brock Purdy started eight out of nine. Yeah, slinging it. And he was playing great. And all I thought of at that time is, okay, I've got another answer about Brock Purdy. And again, look, let's see what happens in 17 games next year. Let's see how he does. Let's see how far he can take this team. But this is just my opinion. You know, Kyle Shanahan is the guy who wanted to trade three ones to move up for Trey Lance. Okay, a guy who, you know, as I wrote in my column a couple of weeks ago, has thrown fewer passes in the last seven years than Patrick Mahomes threw this year. And, and so he chose to do that. And so what I'm saying is Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are not going to be thinking, ooh, Last pick in the draft, can't pay him $50 million. Let me ask you this. Is there any reason whatsoever why you think that money might change Brock Purdy? I sure don't think so. No, nah. no, definitely not. Uh, that's great stuff, great stuff. Peter, thank you so much, as always, and we're so glad, uh, above all, that you're feeling better. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot. And, hey, one last thing. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys reaching out when I wasn't feeling well and wishing me well. And you guys are great guys, and I appreciate it. Uh, You bet, Peter. Peter. We appreciate everything that you do here uh, uh, during the football season. So thank you so much. Take care, guys. Bye. Okay. There he goes. Peter King. That was Odyssey NFL insider Peter King. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Men Have Skin Too. Wow, there's a lot that stood out there. And, and we'll go back to the phones here in just a sec. 888-957-9570, the basic idea, Ayuk, keep or trade? Or do you want to take that conversation into a different direction? Um, but can I point out one thing that's not wide receiver related that he just said? Yeah. Did you have the same sort of expectation that I did when he's talking about Steve Wilkes and the issues throughout the year? And he goes, look, he was asked to come in and do something that he wasn't necessarily perfect with or comfortable with. And I think a lot of us had the same question. It's like, well, then why did you hire him in the first place? But okay, put right, that aside. Right. And he goes, and then, you know, there, there, were, there was some stuff throughout the year between him and – and there was a little pause – didn't you think he was going to say Kyle Shanahan? Of course. And he didn't. Do you all remember what he said? He goes, there's some stuff between him and the players. Yes. 
the player does this change anything for any of you the players the players right the these players great defensive players the reigning defensive player of the year who we spent all the year doing where are you dude and he's the one who came out after the Super Bowl and said, well, you know, we weren't really coached up on that. And so he was all too quick to not throw Steve under the bus, but kind of point out that Steve belongs under the bus. I think he's, he put him under the bus more than Kyle did. Yeah. And, well, and, well and Kyle called him out, like, Against Minnesota, for sure. Yeah. For sure, which was the first clue that something was not going well behind right. the scenes. I agree with you completely. And, by the way, in the end of all of this... Who's the most accountable? Still Kyle, because he hired him. Right. Not because he fired him. I just want everyone, in my opinion at least, to get that right. If you want to blame Kyle for this, go ahead. Don't blame him for firing him. Blame him for hiring him. Right. He made the mistake. The mistake was not in firing him. The mistake was in hiring him. That was the yes. mistake. Now, if you wanted to keep him on for another year because you were afraid to admit that the first mistake was a mistake, well, then you're compounding totally. that initial mistake. But he at least was able to step forward and say, you know, he didn't say it, but his actions tell you that he messed up by hiring him in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And actually, for those of you who are so, good Lord, you're so lined up around the block to hear Kyle Shanahan be accountable, I'd kind of argue that... In many ways, when they make a mistake, he has been. It's exactly what he did with Trey Lance. They don't want to spend all kinds of capital and money and time and space in 2023 on people that aren't helping them win a Super Bowl. So what do they do when they see something that's not working? They hold a press conference and they say, my bad, he out. And He's out. We're not going to yeah. try to like save face here. We're gonna we're we're we're, we're moving on. And it's that too was uh, urgent on Wednesday, right after a Sunday Correct. Super Bowl loss. So it, it took a grand total of about seventy two hours, yeah, if that, because the decision had been made in December or even earlier, or yeah, earlier. October when yes. they played Minnesota. Yes. And you even saw it in the Super Bowl when Kyle used a timeout to fix a defensive call that he didn't like. Yeah. And Tony Romo even on the broadcast wow. was like, "Oh." That one comes from Kyle because he didn't like the look of that. And, you know, Tony was right. And we find out a couple of days after that that he's gone. You could see the look on Kyle's face in that moment. To be honest with you, and I know it's the Super Bowl, so we're all watching different things and we're freaking out. And it's the overtime of the Super Bowl. And yeah. our attention is everywhere. But when that timeout got called, the camera cut to Kyle's face. And I was like. Oh, dear. It was like a WTF face. It was not like, hey, not loving that. Let's change it. It was like, we're not doing that. You again? <laughs> like, that's what it looked right. like to me. Right. Yeah. It, it was like, this freaking guy. We're going out like this? That was the look on his face. And if the Bob, press conference. You know I'm built for this. <laughs> he was coming with the zero blitz again. Apparently not. And Kyle didn't like that. Well, yeah. He was bringing to his house. I right. can honestly say I'm sort of built for this. Well, sort of. Yeah. Sort of not. I mean, that's Mahomes. Zero blitz. <laughs> zero chance. Right. Um, He's pretty good against pass rush. I, listen, listen, again, I'm not putting it on Steve. 
I'm not putting it on Steve, and please don't tweet at me all, oh, the Niners were the third ranked. Look, you saw the games. You saw that it wasn't at its highest level. You saw that individuals across the board were not having the years that they've had before. There's no way you're going to convince anybody who understands 49er football that Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, and Eric Armstead, and Javon Hargrave are the problem. You're not going to do that. Right. That's not what it is. It's not Steve's fault. It was a bad fit. And um, the way it was handled at the beginning and in the middle and at the end, bumpy. Bumpy. Left something to be desired. For sure. And still, you made it to the Super Bowl, and you made it to overtime of the Super Bowl. So if we want to talk about like how big of a calamity the I Steve Wilkes era was, let's all slow down and pump the brakes a little bit, because the, the defense was still very good, and they still made it into the fifth quarter of the Super Bowl. But that's also what's so maddening. I got to be honest with you. That's what's so frustrating. I get that, but I also look at the way the defense played in the first half. Fair. That's a fair point. The defense was the better unit in the first half. No doubt. No doubt. Again, this is not about that day. It's not about that day. It's about my opinion that that team was that much better than everybody else in the NFL when they're healthy. And they didn't end up fully healthy, and that's a big piece of it. Would Steve Wilkes still have the job if Dre Greenlaw didn't get hurt? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Probably not. And I told you that a couple of weeks before the game. And I agree with you. But but by the same token, like, this this is not... It's not about that. But that, for me... Doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel worse. Yeah, because the, the Niners, fact that you were that close. Well, the Niners yeah. got to the fifth quarter of the Super Bowl, and apparently, we'll also in the midst of that, we're looking at each other, going, "What are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing?" Right. And they still made it to the fifth quarter. If they were on the same page, they'd have killed everybody. So I think it's bigger on if, the they, same if page. they were healthy. They, you know, and that's Peter made a good point about the overtime deferral or the overtime non-deferral, rather taking the ball and wanting that third possession. Your defense was on the field for thirty-five or so plays in the second half. I get that. Did he say they were tuckered out? Did he say that on? I the believe show? tuckered out. That was is the, so adorable. Yeah, it's, and they I mean, were all tuckered out completely. I mean, get him a quesadilla and put him to bed. Seriously, like put on cocoa melon and give him a blankie. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I know when my all, daughter, who's 18 yeah. months old, when she gets tuckered out, she wants milky and she wants to lie down. She's just all tired. Yeah. No, more just, milk, Mark. Yeah. Still works. Very, I mean, it's been a big day. Tuckered out. It's been a big day. It had been. It's been a big week. 11 snaps. They they just played 11 snaps <laughs> against Patrick Mahomes. Oh, God. They were oh. tuckered out. <laughs> and if you, if you don't often read ever. Peter King's column... Read it this week. He goes into great detail about the 2017 draft and yeah. just exactly how Kansas City landed on Patrick Mahomes. And it was one part luck, but it was three parts chutzpah mm. or balls for Kansas City yeah, oh, to make that move to was, trade up. It was big ballsy. Well, just when we're thinking about Brandon Ayuk, to make a trade of Brandon Ayuk would be ballsy. Because you're taking a top seven receiver, top ten, top five, wherever you want to put him. Bucky Brooks has him at 26. Uh, depending on where you see Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk, if you were to make a trade <laughs> of your number one receiver, yeah. it would be a ballsy move. But if you look at what Kansas City did and the, the return yes. on investment, it's been pretty much worth it. It's been worth it, but that's a very different trade. They got a house. They got a house. What they get? Five picks 
Buffalo? And, no, Kansas City for Tyreek. Oh, I'm talking about when Kansas City traded up. Oh, traded to up get to get Patrick. Patrick Mahomes. Got yeah, it. Yeah, they traded uh, their first, their second, and a future yes. pick to yes. move up to number 10 to get Patrick. Yes. So that, to me, is what this would be. You, you'd be trading... You'd be trading Brandon to move up this year to get a player who can help you. I think I've arrived at my spot. Took me a minute. Yeah? I wanted to hear more. I wanted to read more. I wanted to think more. About should they or shouldn't they? I don't think they're trading Brandon Ayuk. I don't think they're trading Brandon Ayuk. You think they're paying him? Or are you going to go the Bucky Brooks route and say, all right, young man, how about you play one more year before we do a a solid for you? I think you're going to pay him. Yeah, that's to me. That's crazy, um, and it's going to cost you. There's a few reasons. It's going to cost you it, one of your big boys. It, 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 yep, but but not who you're thinking, and it doesn't have to cost him to you now. Here, I, I, more on this in a second. Uh, Javier and Vacaville. Hey, Javier, what are you doing? <clears throat> just listening to you, man. How you guys doing? We're good, good Javier. Uh, I just want to make sure, like the, this this notion of, and narrative of they can't afford Brandon Ayuk. Dibley is completely false. Uh, they are going to be at $250 million in regards to salary cap next year. The Niners are going to take $38 million and bring that over from 2023 to 2024. The Niners currently, if the cap is that, their number is 288 next year with the money that's going to come over. With the 42 players that are under contract next season, they will have $7 million of $6.6 be exact in cap space if the cap is at 250. Now, anything in between, they will be, you know, 6.6 and below. My point is that the 11 draft picks that they have will be the difference between the 42 to the 53 totality of their roster. And that's with Brent Ayuk at the 14.1 fifth-year option. And everyone's saying, we're not going to pay Brent Ayuk. Based on what evidence? You're just speaking false rhetoric and completely untrue narrative. The Niners have the 11 players under contract through the draft they're going to have next year. That'll then equal the $3.3 million that it will cost. They'll still be $3.3 million under the cap. Now, it's 243 the $7 million difference, they'll be $1.85 over. But the Niners are not in no bad state in regards to their overall salary cap projections. But you want to ask the question, Debo Samuel is going to make more than twice what Brandon Ayuk's going to make on this fifth-year option, $28.6 million. You guys are so quick to push Brandon Ayuk out the door. Is Debo Samuel worth $28.6 million? And FYI to the Bay Area, the last receiver to have two back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons for the 49ers was Terrell Owens. Oh, until Brandon Ayuk got here. The point of the NFL draft is to draft guys, develop them, and pay your guys, and pay them handsomely. To say, well, we don't want to risk. What guys are you talking about? I love Kruger. They don't have to release Kyle Juszczyk or Drake Greenlaw. That's all false. There's no, there's no precedent of them not being under the cap or being over the cap rather than not have to be able to keep them on the roster. That is just complete speculation and not factual at all. Well, Javier, 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 thanks. We 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 got we got to go. Uh, but uh, the, I I think Javier's got a point. And keep in mind that if you do sign Ayuk to an extension before the year then his cap hit, his number for the upcoming year, before the extension kicks in, would actually go down a little bit. So you'd start to save some money there, number one. And number two, then when Ayuk's number kicks in the following year, guess who has an out in his contract? Guess who you could, in theory, move on from at that point? 
Debo Samuel. Which now you get another year of Debo. He's got an out in his deal at age tw- or uh, in 2025. Let's see what the injury situation is for Debo. I'm not saying you're setting up to let Debo go, but um, you do another year of like kick the can down the road, see where you're at, and then it's time for Brock's extension, which of course wouldn't kick in for another full year after that. Right. Like, Javier's not wrong. You can play the game. You can play the game. Brandon is not, it, it's not off the table that both those dudes get paid. Um, we're presented by Fremont Bank, full service banking, no compromises. We can talk a little bit more about that coming up. Doc Pandia is going to join us as well with the latest on all the injuries that are out there Niners, Giants, and Warriors. Uh, this is Weathered and Dips. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 